episode, I talk horror with my fellow horseman of the podcast Apocalypse, Mike Scandato. Mike is one of the co-hosts of the Great Necromaniacs podcast. Mike also fronts the bands The Last Stand and Inhuman. I had a killer time talking with Mike and I hope you enjoy. After you're done with this episode, make sure you check out my fellow horsemen of the podcast Apocalypse. Everything went black podcast, Into the Necrosphere, the Necromaniacs podcast, Eyeless Manifestations, and the Soul Nox podcast. Um, also, don't forget to check me out on uh, social media. Uh, Facebook is uh, Harwolf666, Twitter is Harwolf666, and uh, I believe Instagram is BrandonLegion666. So uh, once again, thanks for listening, and I hope you dig this one. All right, Mike. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Brandon. Man, this is uh, this is cool. I've been been listening to you for a while, and you know it, it's great that both of our podcasts kind of support each other. So uh, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, it's fantastic, man. And um, Necromaniacs has been a big inspiration to me even before I like really got into the podcast game. You know what I mean? Like. Just having y'all like with all the positive support and the cool episodes and everything you do, like it's pretty badass, and I appreciate that. Thank you. I mean, it's it's kind of weird. It's like I feel like that the, the almost nine years we've been on have gone by so fast. You know, <laughs> um, I think it's nine years in, in February of 2023 that Mike and I have been doing Necromaniacs podcast. So. Yeah, it, it, it started out as just kind of like a lark, you know, um, you know, we 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 went and saw a Serbian film in this theater in this very, you know, urban area, but kind of like a neighbor that normally wouldn't play a movie like that. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, we have to see it at the Alpine, the Alpines in, in Bay Ridge, which is I, I live like right near there uh, now. And back then I was living in the neighborhood back then. Uh, moved a few times in between, but and it just kind of went from there, you know. <laughs> so, you know, we saw that movie, and then Mike did his very first "Everything Went Black" after we watched that movie. And then uh, I think uh, just not really too long after Mike started "Everything Went Black," Mike Hill, that is, uh, for those who may not know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, I, uh, you know, we just were like, let's let's do something that's just for movies, you know, just for horror movies, because we both love horror movies and like talking about them and shit. And at this point, um, I had a, a, a comic book store with my brother and, you know, Mike was there all the time, you know, hanging out mm-hmm. and it just kind of grew organically from there. And uh, yeah, it's a cool story, I think. It is. And uh, the cool thing I like about Necromaniacs is there's no bullshit. It's just like these are your opinions. There's not like you're not being paid to say this because there are some podcasts I've come in contact with or listened to over years. Like they seem a little kind of put on, you know what I mean? And that that really throws me off. Like I want to know your honest like opinion on shit. And that's the cool thing about y'all. It's your fucking honest opinion. And, and you know, it's pretty dead on. It's it's funny. I mean, yeah, like Necromaniacs is, is not monetized and it doesn't have any sponsors and we don't have anybody sending us free Blu-rays or, or links to movies or anything like that. It's just all 100 percent what what we think. I mean, you know, and we're not film students or anything like that. And, we're you know, we're just fans. Um, 
But I, I guess maybe the one angle that Mike and I have is, is perhaps our age, you know, Gen mm-hmm. Xers and, you know, guys who, who came up in the 80s, you know, horror boom, really, you know, um, that's like my childhood, basically, you know, and in, into like early teen years. Um, so, I mean, again, like when it comes to, to other horror podcasts, I don't know. I don't know if anybody's doing exactly what we do. I mean, maybe there is, but all the random ones I've checked out over the years seem to be quite different from what Mike and I do. So, I mean, I guess um, that's, uh, you know, a feather in our cap. Yeah, totally. Um, I think you'll definitely have something unique going on because only other uh, hard podcasts I follow, like religiously or whatever, is a postmortem with Mick Garris, you know, because he's the fucking master of horror, man. You know, he's so informative. Uh, Faculty of Horror is another good one with uh, Andrea and um, Alex, and they're fucking awesome. If you haven't never checked out the Faculty of Horror, you definitely should. And um, the last one is uh, Colors of the Dark podcast. Like, those are like my horror podcast, you know, besides Necromaniacs and stuff. But those are yeah. like the most solid ones. Postmortem is really good. I just listened to it the other day with Eli Roth. And, um, you know, I, I've been really digging. Uh, the Charles Band podcast, the guy from Full Moon. Uh, it's just, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's so funny. Like early on when he was doing his episodes, I mean, he only started doing them in 2022. Mm-hmm. Like he he did this thing where he constantly, he just, he talked about himself a lot. And I just got like such a kick out of it because he would interrupt guests to talk about himself. But like, <laughs> I feel like he doesn't do that anymore. Like, He's completely eased into the the role of being a podcast host. And it's just, I don't know, it's gotten like significantly better, I think. I feel like maybe somebody um, put a little bug in his ear and to say, let the guest talk and talk less about yourself. And (laughs) and the show is actually quite funny and and quite great. He's a hell of a character. I mean, full moon films in general, you know, are fucking outrageous and like part of my 90s childhood, you know, full moon was always there with like some weird shit. But, you know, and he's the guy behind it. So, you know, he's got to be kind of out there, you know? Yeah. Full Charles Benz, full moon freak show. It's just um, I like that he's had, you know, some really heavy hitters on there. Like, I I really enjoyed the interview with uh, Will Lustig, Um, you know, always learning about like, you know, 70s 80s new york scene and that's just kind of you know in my wheelhouse and and the shit that i want to hear um i mean the the thought of like you know somebody just rambling on about you know scream 47 just doesn't really appeal to me you know (laughs) so it's just you know i guess it's all personal taste yeah that's definitely a podcast i want to check out i gotta make room for it because you know following uh the Horseman of the Podcast Apocalypse. I have, you know, there's a good bit of podcast there to follow. Plus, uh, I try to squeeze in an audio book here and there. Like right now, I'm uh, going through uh, Krampus by Brom. That's the mm. audio book I'm on right now. And it is fucking killer. It's one of the best Krampus stories I've ever heard. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with that one or not. Oh, no, I'm not. It's, it sounds really cool. I, I just ordered a bunch of Brian Keene books on Black Friday that have not arrived yet, unfortunately. Um, oh. Taking a little while there. So uh, I think they're coming this week. So <laughs> <laughs> I, he's the guy that like is literally my, like my favorite horror writer uh, mm-hmm. of the last five years. Um, 
potentially of all time, honestly. Um, and uh, he has so much stuff that, like, I mean, I've read a lot of it, and a lot of it is sitting, you know, in my view right now. But mm-hmm. there's still some stuff I have not checked out. So, you know, I'm I'm always kind of catching up with that. And I, I I've kind of made it a point over this holiday break I have coming up. I have like literally almost 14 days off after nice. Tuesday. Um, to to read. So, you know, hopefully that is what I'll do. I've been reading, um, rereading uh, Neil Gaiman's Sandman in trade paperback, which is always fucking great. And mm-hmm. have um, Alan Moore's Providence um, in trade paperback, which is a bonkers, like Lovecraft, horror, cosmic horror, you know, story that oh, I nice. would recommend. Yeah, it's called Providence. Okay. Uh, gonna gonna read that. I had individual issues, but I don't think I ever finished it. And, you know, I got this whole nice trade from Amazon. So, yeah, I want to do some more reading again. I feel like it's been a minute. Yeah, and I love reading as well. I, I do audiobooks and I also, you know, actually read. I use a, what I mostly use is my uh, Kindle for reading just because um, low light in my in our house and stuff, our light sucks. So having the Kindle there is like I can read anywhere. It doesn't matter what the light is. And it's like one of those big, like, 10 inch ones or it's like the big ass Kindle. So it's like almost like reading a comic It's comic size or, you know, novel right. size. And this makes it that much easier. You know, I still collect the uh, physical media when it comes to books, but uh, I end up reading it on the Kindle and it's having the, the book like on my shelf somewhere. No, that's really cool. I, I have a, a, a good chunk of keen stuff and Jack Ketchum stuff on Kindle. So I, yeah, I kind of, I kind of mix it up, you know, but I, I do love books. Books just take up space, and sometimes you don't have the space. So, yeah, yeah we're I, starting to run out of space for sure in our townhouse, man. We got a got a whole wall downstairs that has mostly a uh, first edition Stephen King hardcovers and a whole shit ton like first edition Anne Rice stuff. Like the whole oh, damn oh. wall is full of that stuff. Dude, it's crazy. Wow, very cool, man. And yeah. it's funny, I think books really. Um, play into my horror story honestly um whereas uh, initially it was was movies it was kind of seeing movies on tv really as a kid um Mm -hmm. like they would basically have local tv stations um in the early 80s that would edit the r-rated horror films and and put them on tv Mm -hmm. and uh, initially it was the kind of thing that like i was afraid of and like my older brothers would tease me over and force me to watch it and then you know after finally kind of hunkering down and watching it and it was literally a a friday the 13th part one aired on on syndication that really kind of made me turn the corner Mm -hmm. Uh, and when i wasn't afraid of horror movies anymore (laughs) (laughs) as like i guess an 11 year old or 12 maybe 11 um but books were right behind that. And, um, you know, things like Stephen King and, and actually Clive Barker books early in high school. And um, it's funny. I remember taking out an H.P. Lovecraft book at freshman or sophomore year. And mm-hmm. I got to be honest, those books are not for freshmen and sophomores, H.P. Lovecraft books. Definitely um, not. <laughs> and I just was like, like, I saw the cover and I knew unfortunately that doorbell is going to ring and it's not for me because these people at christmas time ring every single bell in the building just to get into the building i don't know if you heard that but um yeah like uh, you know like i would look at the book covers and it looked really cool but within about like 
five minutes of reading it or 10 minutes of reading it, I'd be like, wait, this is English, but what is he saying? Like, I literally remember completely being just, yeah, I don't know if I can read this HP Lovecraft stuff. I mean, you know, it's saying, it seems cool, but I, I, I couldn't get into it. Like the old, old, you know, older, early 1900s dialogue, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. And, and just like the, the, just the formula of it and whatever. But obviously later in life, I went back to it and, and I quote unquote got it, but it was really Clive Barker and, and Stephen King that kind of started me on the journey. And, you know, then later on discovering more, you know, lesser known people, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, pre-internet and, and just w- what I had access to in, in my high school library, that decent amount of horror books in my high school library. So that was cool. I think, uh, like the first like horror book that really got me going when I was in, uh, probably elementary school at the time was, uh, scary stories. Uh, I think it was, a yeah, scary yeah. yeah, you know, remember that whole like series, they got banned in a bunch of schools because of the artwork and all and how violent some of the stories were, but that's really what pushed me ahead. Like this I was like so fucking cool. See, I mean, I know you're, you're younger than me, so that's, that's actually a very cool starting point for you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I know later on that was uh, adapted into a film, but yeah, I've definitely heard that that had a tremendous impact on, on, you know, younger horror kids. I mean, I'm 49. I was born in 73. So I went to high school from 87 to 91. And, you know, it's funny. I, I think that period is the end of the boom of horror, um, for film actually, Mm -hmm. Because by 90 and 91, it was kind of done for a little while. You had like Silence of the Lambs was a huge deal in 1991, but no one was calling that a horror movie. And although it it really was a horror movie, um, you know, and the book was, you know, suspense or whatever, psychological thriller and blah, blah, blah. Like it, it was just like this really strange time, especially in the wake of Silence of the Lambs. It almost killed horror, like especially at winning the Academy Award and, you know, selling so many books. It was like nobody wanted to use that dirty word horror. But in reality, it it was largely to me a horror film. Oh, yeah, I I totally agree with that. People argue with you all day that, oh, no, Science Lambs ain't a horror film. Like it totally is a horror film. Yes, it's also a thriller, but it's also a fucking horror film, you know? Yeah, like like things can be more than one thing, you know? it's like when you when you talk about giallo films, th- there are giallo films that are not even all entirely thrillers because some people refer to Suspiria as giallo, even though it's not a thriller. It's it's you know it's supernatural. It's just it's you can kind of go on and on and, and vary into the weeds with it, but um, there are other examples too. Uh, but yeah, that, that w- it was kind of a cool time. It was like the, the end of a great boom. And I remember in like 1990 going to see like a uh, predator two in the theater mm-hmm. and like the, in the later era Halloween sequels in the theater. And it was almost like now thinking about it, it was like you're at the last hours of a party, you know, <laughs> um, because shit has got to get real bleak for a while with some a few bright spots. And this literally lasts until, to me, the two, or beginning of the 2000s, you know? 
Yeah, I could definitely see that. There, um, I think for me, like uh, the early 2000s were, was, was like that same time period from you from, you know, the 80s into like uh, 1990, like the like mm-hmm. fucking horrible horror shit that was coming out. Like it was a time of Scream during the early 2000s. And I'm not the biggest Scream fan. I'm not a fan of those like uh, like teenager type movies. Like I know what you did last summer, all that stuff. I couldn't stand it when they came out. You know, I was like, what the hell is this? And it stayed like that for a while until, uh, you know, then the whole like uh, tortured porn stuff started to come out, you know, which is a horrible word for it. You know, people use tortured porn, but like hostile and all that stuff. It started breaking the mold a little bit, which was good. Yeah, no, it, we needed those movies to come into fashion and we needed those movies to like do well. Because from 95, say, to 2000, it was all screams. I know you did last summers and and just shitty teen stuff. And thank God to me for Saw, for Eli Roth, for for a bunch of those movies. And then what was right also right post that was the, the French explosion. Thank God all that happened that like kind of had to happen, I feel like, you know, because horror was just in a very strange place. Uh, although some people really enjoyed those movies and those movies made money. Those, mm-hmm. the teen centric horror films. Um, I, I, I saw a bunch of them in theater, but to me, they were just forgettable. They were just, I thought about them right then and there. And then when it was done, I never thought about them again. Like I, I saw a bunch of those in the theater just to go and go on, you know, dates and whatnot. And, um, it was because that was the only hard to see in the theater for a while, bro. And it was just a weird time. And honestly, I know some people have not looked back fondly on some of the, you know, Eli Roth stuff and, and whatnot. But I, I do, because I think without that, you wouldn't have some of the really fucking great shit that's happening now. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I'm all for Eli Roth. I mean, he's he doesn't throw out all like fucking perfect films or whatever, but like what he does for the horror community as a whole and like getting it out there, like getting the word out there and everything like that. Like he's done fucking great. Um, like I say, he was just on that postmortem recently. That was a great yeah. interview. And like, he's out there spreading the good word, and, you know? Yeah. I'm kind of, I mean, he, I know his next movie is not a horror movie, but I'm glad he's directing movies and I know he will make horror again. I have a funny feeling he will. And hopefully it'll be fucking awesome. You know? Um, yeah, I mean, like the, the, when it comes to say the Saw franchise, I, I think I really enjoyed the first three, mm-hmm. or perhaps four. I, I saw all those in the theater. And then after that, I tapped out, I'm several movies behind in that franchise, but I enjoyed them as they were happening, you know? And, and it was just, it was good for that to happen, to kind of wipe out all that teen stuff. And this was, it was the antithesis to a lot of the teen stuff, which was great. Oh yeah, totally. Um, with the Saw stuff, man. The first time I seen Saw one, um, it was on Halloween. We uh, went to the movie theaters, were all dressed up and stuff, and uh, that one just blew me away because it felt so dangerous compared to what's <laughs> been coming out before. It. And like, oh, you don't know what the hell's about to happen, you know? It's like it's all as wild as like, the visuals are wild, like the green tint, and everything, everything, everything just felt real dangerous about it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I feel like every every generation or every every you know decade or so uh someone finds horror in a, in a different way you know and how you and your friends found horror and how my friends and i found horror and it's it's kind of i i wonder today what what a very young kid i mean is i mean i imagine it's literally all 
based on internet kind of, you know, chatter, right? Or like, I mean, I'm sure some of it's obviously word of mouth, but I feel like it's its own, it kind of grows its own way organically for each generation, you know? Um, and things like, I know kids love TikTok and TikTok is incorporated into horror. Like I don't use TikTok. I don't even use, I, I literally deleted Twitter months before the Musk thing, just because I was like, I don't use it and I don't like it. Um, I'm on Instagram, of course, and I'm on Facebook, but to me, that's enough. But, you know, like I, I think about like my, my nephews and, you know, I have like a, a 13 and a 15 year old nephew. And I, I wonder if, if they became kind of like super into horror, like what, what their kind of journey would be like in this modern age, you know? Yeah, that's, that's something to think about for sure. Like, uh, like how are they getting like access to like their first horror movies and what is their first horror movie? You know, what's motivating them to watch more horror? Like it could be like TikTok or which I don't have a TikTok either. I'm I'm not, I'm good with all that shit, but you know, like what the hell's getting them going with stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I'm just happy that horror I, I believe is, is in a very good place and I, I don't see any kind of big drastic dip anytime soon. Like you, we, we saw in the, in the nineties, you know, and, um, I also feel like, like the box office numbers are just too strong to deny for that to almost maybe never happen again. Mm -hmm. uh, you have movies that cost pennies, you know, making, you know, millions and millions of dollars like Terrifier 2, it, it, no Hollywood exec is is immune to that. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, right. I have a funny feeling we might see 2023 perhaps an even bigger year than what this very uh, wild 2022 was, historic 2022. What do you think? Yeah, totally. And you know, the reason for this boom, I think it is people need to fucking escape because you have all the real horror, real life, like all this crazy shit that's going on. Like we need an escape. We need something that, you know, some, we need some fantasy that scares us. We don't need reality to scare us. So I think that's why people have turned more to like horror films and all now. That's very possible. Like I, I almost feel like it, it, in some ways it is bigger than the eighties. I mean, in the eighties, uh, you know, I go to the conventions a lot. There, there were horror con cons in the eighties, but they were s s sparsely attended. And there was like one in your city, you know, where I am now, you know, I, I live in Brooklyn, uh, close to Jersey. And, and there's literally like seven or eight a year in the state of New Jersey, horror conventions. And that is insane. And they all do well. And people go to them and right now, look, I think we're in a recession. That's for another, that's for another conversation in another podcast. I think we're literally in recession already. However, right. it, it has not to me hit the pocket of the horror world because I feel like people still want to be involved. People still want to spend their money. They love it. Like they look forward to it. They will, they will put other shit aside so that they have money for the horror con, which is I feel like I see it, you know, mm -hmm. and that is amazing. And I, I, all the movies that have come out in 2022, there's just so many. I mean, uh, Necromaniacs, we have our, our year end wrap up coming out uh, this week. Uh, well, 
I'm not sure exactly when this will air this this particular conversation, but uh, it's it's airing on um, the 22nd or the 23rd of December. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I I was kind of racking my brain because there there was that much to choose from, you know. And yeah, super abundance of films. Follow suit, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to do my uh, top 10 in January, like the first week of January, because right now I'm still watching films that came out this year that I haven't got to you know, check out yet. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's it's a tough one, I got to say. Like, <laughs> it's going to be tough. So I'm waiting to the very last minute because uh, I just watched a film last night that's probably going to make my list. It's uh, Satan Slaves 2 uh, Communion. Yeah, yeah Mike uh, Hill loved it. I haven't seen it and I haven't seen its its prior film. But literally the the, the night after we taped our best of the year, I watched a movie that Mike had on his list that I did not, and I will not say what it is. And my God, I was like, this literally would have been a, perhaps a top three film for me. And mm. I didn't get to see it. So, you know, it, it, you don't even have enough hours in the day for what is happening in horror right now. That's how much this good films, in my opinion, are out there. <laughs> I have a, a buddy who's I, I consider a, a horror mentor of mine, my friend Mark, mm-hmm. um, who over 20 years ago really kind of, you know, told me and taught me about a lot of the Italian stuff. I had already been a, a, an Argento fan at the right. time, um, but he was like he was up on literally every other director, you know, Bava and Fulci and Martino. And I kind of learned all about that stuff from him, but he, and he's one of the only people I know who has absolutely no, no desire to, to dip his toes in the modern horror world. And I'm always telling him, I'm like, there's good stuff out there, man. You, you know, you got to check it out. And he's like, no, nah, it probably sucks. And it's just, he makes me laugh, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I appreciate and respect his opinion to that he he loves his 70s stuff and his 80s stuff and you know his late 60s stuff and that that's it you know um but i I credit him with turning me on to a a lot of really cool stuff and i feel like because of him i have turned a lot of people onto stuff that i feel like they might not have known about um but he's one of the only people i know who doesn't who is a horror guy you know Mm -hmm. who doesn't really keep up with and doesn't really care for too much of the modern stuff he'll see maybe something and he'll be like oh that was actually pretty good i'm like okay then why don't you watch this and this and he goes no i'm not gonna watch those so (laughs) yeah (laughs) this wow i I feel like without him i don't think i would have have the taste that i have you know um but i what separates me from him is is the fact that i i love modern horror and i love what's going on yeah, I know a few people like that too. Like, oh, nothing's good's come out since the '80s, man. The, the horror died in the '80s. I'm like, no, that is not true. Have you watched any modern horror? Like, and they'd be like, no, I haven't seen anything. Like, how the fuck do you know? You know? Yeah, there are people like that when it comes to music too. And those people, those people anger me more than the film people who say that. To be honest, mm-hmm. because music is music. Like, you could put a damn song on. You know what I'm saying? I mean. It's sure it takes longer to plunker down for a two hour film than it does to just hit click, you know, 
to click the link that a buddy sends you of a song that he says is a good song, you know? Right. Or clearly a, a band that you see is doing well and a bunch of your friends like or whatever and friends of yours that are metalheads, if you're a metalhead, and you're still going, yeah, man, the, the last good metal band was Pantera. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, please, just stop talking. It's like, stop, you know? <laughs> yeah. And those guys usually be dressed in like the faded out uh, jeans from like from the eighties with the white high tops and stuff. Like, oh, you don't listen to anything past uh, nineteen eighty nine, <laughs> you know? It's it it's it is quite hilarious. Um, but yeah, I guess you know tying it into music. I mean, when I when I was really getting into horror, I it, it almost times a bit with finding death metal. Um, it was really more just listening to hardcore first, you know, when I was like really getting into Clive Barker. Um, I had gotten exposed to hardcore music at about 14 mm-hmm. and, and started going to shows at, at CBGB's at around 14 years old and using you know, my brother's ID that said I was 16 and all that. And, you know, Hellraiser is kind of big at that point. And, and, you know, there's still some cool shit happening. It's, it's 88, you know, 89. Mm-hmm. But around 90, um, you know, uh, again, horror still a big part of my life. I get exposed to death metal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hear hearing obituary, honestly, and seeing them live for the first time, kind of by chance, because they were playing with Sacred Reich. And I was a fan of Sacred Reich. Mm-hmm. Me and my hardcore buddies went to see Sacred Reich, actually, at this show at Lamore in Brooklyn. But another friend of mine was like, you got to see obituary. He was opening for them. He goes, you got to check them out. You got to check them out. And he was right. And they were amazing. And they were actually better than Sacred Reich. (laughs) Uh, This is 1990 cause of death obituary, first U.S. obituary. So they're like fucking on fire, you know? Mm. Um, And that record in particular, obituary's cause of death, was the first death metal record I bought, you know, um, I bought it on cassette actually. Mm-hmm. And it just totally struck a chord with me and kind of from then on in like the death metal horror connection it, in my head mentally was there, you know? Right. Um, and it's funny because that's, uh, I think of a band like mortician who forms right around this time. And I, I don't hear of until about a year later. I think I heard of, of Mortician around 91. Mm-hmm. And their whole basis is horror movies, you know? Right. <laughs> and it just made perfect fucking sense. And it just was like, I, I, I'm i like, this is this is it, man. This is, the, this is what I want to hear more of. And I, I didn't abandon hardcore, of course. Um, but I just, I just kind of like the two genres of music simultaneously were just such a huge part of my life you know mm-hmm. um and yeah it was it was just wild like i, I see when you're that age that's the age records have this kind of everlasting impact on you you know i mean honestly there are records even today that have an impact on me as a grown-ass man right. when you're 17 and something hits you like that you're probably going to be a fan for life and sure enough i i've been an obituary fan for life yeah 
That's killer, man. Like horror and metal just go together, you know. Like if you're a metalhead and you don't watch horror movies, that's a rarity. I've never met a metalhead that doesn't watch horror movies, and I've never really met a horror person that doesn't listen to some type of metal. It doesn't have to be like the metal I listen to, but they listen to some type of metal. You know what I mean? It's funny. A guy I know, Sam, uh, is in not really an emo band. He's in a very melodic band, you mm-hmm. know, kind of like alternative rock bands. And he's not a metalhead, but he's a tremendous horror fan. Hmm. He doesn't listen to death metal. He doesn't listen to black metal. He was like a metalhead when he was like a young kid. And then he, he you know, formulated the music that he, he plays now. Right. He is one of the, I guess he's one of the few people I know who is a diehard horror guy that is not a part of death, black metal, or hardcore. <laughs> you know? yeah that's a rarity man like i said i've never i've met a lot of people and i've never met somebody like that before yeah yeah he's aware of all those kinds of music he's heard all those kinds of music but mm-hmm. to me he is he's none of those you know um right. indie rocker but he is a super horror guy and it's um to me again that's the power of horror movies right <laughs> it's like yeah of, totally there's a businessman somewhere living in Manhattan who looks like, you know, a super nerd who I assure you is a tremendous fan of, of fucking Lucio Fulci. It's out there, bro. You know? Oh yeah. <laughs> I was at a, I think we were at a goat horse show. I can't, I think it might've been goat horse. This was years ago um, when they first started like playing out and stuff. And there was some, a dude there in a damn suit and tie. You'd never mm-hmm. think would be there. He's at a fucking goat horse show, like fucking moshing and stuff like pretty wild. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, back in the uh, back in the 80s things were very more formulated like, you know, if if you the word poser and if you didn't have this look and you didn't have that look and it, it was a, a little more focused on that. And to me, I guess one of the the better things about the modern world is that just be your fucking self, you know? <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. It's it's truly, you know, come as you are you know i mean I, I you don't have to have a horror look you don't have to have like you know what i'm saying it, it, mm. that's the beauty of, of horror i think it's it's all a bunch of true misfits you know um that that love this this you know genre yeah and you know it, it's funny i brought up silence of the lambs earlier and the, the impact that it had and i i mean i i hope that we're we're close to Perhaps something like that happening again. Um, you know, it, it, it's been 31 years, 32 years. That's a long time. And I think it, it's time for a horror movie to be considered for mm-hmm. a fucking Academy Award again. Don't you think? Totally. No, I think Eggers might be the man for that job. You know, whatever new oh, thing he comes up with, he's definitely has the criteria that could like, get you know, yeah, get it up absolutely. there. And I'm, I'm going to actually backtrack myself a bit. Jordan Peele yeah. has gotten there, but I guess for some people, they, they, they may think, well, but his movies are also, they're hard, but they're also all five other things and they're blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, no, I mean, you could say the same thing about Sounds of the Lambs, mm-hmm. but the Egger stuff. Yes. I, I think he could be that guy to bring a movie that is even more horrific than say your get out or your us or your note mm-hmm. and, and you know really fucking 
bring the box office and like the hype. The thing is, Peel's movies, they make money, you know? Um, yeah. I, I, I would gather some of them have made more than, say, your, your, you know, your, your Midsummers and whatnot. Um, I, I believe they have, honestly. Right. Um, and I actually thought Nope was fucking fantastic. And Me too, dude, yes. Favorite of his three, honestly. I'm going to have to agree with you on that because it was so fucking weird. Like the whole like creature design, like where did that come from? You know what I mean? It was just so strange. It it was like I was watching like an Outer Limits episode or something. You know, it was just so fucking out there and strange. And I, I love that. Then towards the end when the creature evolved into something else, it's like, God damn, that's creative as fuck. I, I just, I just got like Spielberg vibes from that movie. I got um, Hitchcock, Spielberg, and just like, it was just something about it. the whole aspect with the, the the monkey. I just was, I don't know, man. I thought that was fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. I think there was just something really cool there. And those scenes of the monkey, oh. and, you know, on the TV see, uh, set, I was just like, whoa, man, this is fucking great. I don't want to spoil nope for the listeners, but I, I will say of of his three films so far, that that's my fucking favorite Jordan Peele movie. Yeah, I'm going to say that, too. I was a big fan of Us. I thought Us was fucking great. Again, super original with the storyline and stuff. And I know this felt like new, you know what I mean? And uh, But I, I think Nope might take the, the medal for that just because, like, yeah, the whole, like, monkey part, like, it's so, like, brutal, too, you know? It's like, holy shit, you know? What if that really happened, you know? It's like, fuck up. Like, like it was like the movie within the movie, the story within the story. Like, I just, I don't know, man, that, that just really did it for me. It gave me, gave me phenomena vibes, like from Argento. Like, I just was like, mm-hmm. you know what, man, Jordan Peele knows his fucking shit and he's fucking great. You know, like he's, I can't wait to see what his next movie is going to be. Honestly, he, I hope he doesn't leave the genre anytime soon. You know, like, I hope, I hope he does like 10 movies in the horror wheelhouse you know before he makes like you know a serious drama or something like that but uh you know i it's like i feel like there there are more jordan peels coming and i think they're they're more you know i don't know i i think it, it, it's knocking on the door of like something even bigger than what has already come but even if that doesn't happen honestly Mm-hmm. I, I will fondly look back on this whole horror era. You know, it, it, it's been fucking great. Yeah, but, man. I mean, it's like endless gems. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you're uh, a Jordan Peele fan, too, because it, it gets a lot of hate. And I'm like, I don't see it, man. This dude's doing some cool, different shit. It's not your standard horror movie. And I love that. You know, it's weird, you know. Yeah, I mean, I I think some people are just a little... <clears throat> They, they might have found his first film a little polarizing and whatnot and, and political and, and blah, blah, blah. But again, that's a great fucking movie. Get out. And I saw yeah. that in the theater. Um, you, you just have to respect his, his craft and his filmmaking ability and his storytelling ability at the very least. If you don't like the content, whatever, you don't like the movie, but the, the talent is there. I mean, it's it's, you know, he's fucking great, in my opinion. And this dude came from Mad TV, which I used to love, man. Mad TV was the fucking best, and he came from that, which is crazy. <laughs> I know. Crazy. So crazy. But, like, yeah, I mean, I, I this year for Necromaniacs was, was a fun year because it was the year that we 
covered the most movies of that current year ever. Wow. We we almost could have gone the, the entire run of the year focusing on 2022 films. Honestly, that's how much was out. Uh, but every once in a while, we'd be like, you know what? We want to do an old one. Like, you know, like we're like, yeah, we, we want to do something from the seventies or something from the eighties, like, or something from Italy or, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think at the very least, uh, for the, for a, a little chunk of the beginning of 2023, I, I think we'll shoehorn some of the missed 2022s, mm-hmm. but I would like to go, okay, I, I want to do two or three in a row of older obscure movies again, you know, and that's kind of the beauty of the show. There, there are no rules. There is no formula. We, we decide upon the film via text message. Um, and that's that. <laughs> <laughs> And that's cool. That's what I love about it, you know, and some of these films I haven't even seen, especially when y'all do some of the older ones, you know, like I, it could have slipped by me and stuff. And it's cool to go back and check that out. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I want to find even more shit like that, you know, um, it, it's just, it, it's, it's hard sometimes to find like a, a real gem that you like, Oh my God we think the people who listen to this show are going to be all over this fucking movie. Um, and it was funny. Like we had covered uh butcher Baker nightmare maker, uh, mm-hmm. before it hit shutter actually. Mm-hmm. And before, before people were kind of talking about that movie, like mm-hmm. I saw it and I went, Mike, you got to see this fucking movie It is insane. It's from the early eighties. It has got your us written all over it. You need to see this movie. And then like weeks later, it hit Shutter, and um, it was on Joe Bob. And it was like, this is hilarious. You know, like, <laughs> what are the odds, you know? And that's not the first time y'all have done that either. Like something shows up on Shutter like right after that, and it usually gets on Joe Bob's show, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's look, it's pure coincidental, um, in my opinion. Uh, it's, you know, no one, no one has ever shot us a message saying, hey. I work on uh, Joe Bob's show. We love your podcast. That's like never happened. So, uh, you know, um, I just think that people with good tastes sometimes or, or weird tastes think there's just like a, there's something out there in the energy and, you know, it's just coincidence. Yeah, totally. Definitely something out there with the energy when it comes to like the weirdness of horror and stuff and how we're all kind of connected in a weird way, you know? No, totally. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I also like when a, a listener will send us a message on Instagram or Facebook and say, you know, you guys got to see this movie or check this out. And But to me, the best part is, is, is when they send the messages that say, I've never saw that movie and I never even heard of it and wouldn't have without your show. And thank you for fucking exposing me to the movie. And that's the coolest part, you know? Yeah, that's the best. I, I'm a I'm a fan of getting like positive messages and all too for the podcast. Uh, had a, a a friend of the show and stuff, and a friend of mine. Um, she um she made the comment that uh listening to my podcast like eating apple pie is so comforting. I'm like, oh, that's fucking cool. I'm like, I take that. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you know, I mean, you do a lot of interviews, and and I'm sure that there have been times where an interview, you know maybe had some bumps in the road or, or someone might not have come off the, the way you wanted them to. But I do feel like probably 9.5 times out of 10, 
you know, again, the love of horror and that kinship and then that community, um, you know, ma- makes for a very positive experience. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. And like I said, there's been a few bumps in the road here with certain people, but nothing bad. You know, I've never really had a bad guest or anything like that. You know, just sometimes somebody's energy might be a little bit low and stuff. So I try to do my best to try to, you know, bring the energy up a little bit, you know, or my energy might be a little low that day. You know, is this, you know, you roll with it. No, totally, totally. I mean, yeah, it's funny. I think it's funny. We brought uh, Jeff Kashid, our, our, our third host, uh, co-host, along at a time when when Mike and I had, had been really busy and the shows were extremely sporadic, to say the least, you know, mm-hmm. like super sporadic. And it was like, fuck, like there's way too much time in between shows. And then Mike proposed the idea of having a third co-host so that we could always kind of have a gap filled basically mm-hmm. where like I could do one or two in a row and then I could take a week or two off and Jeff could do one or two or quite often it's literally being one on one off, one on one off, you know, for, right. for a while, but then, you know, shit happens. Life happens. Again, this podcast is done. Uh, Necromaniacs is done completely free, you know, yeah. um, it's not monetized. I don't make a cent. It's, you know, it's, it's my time. It's Mike's time. It's Jeff's time. Um, who knows though, perhaps, perhaps down the road that could change, but I mean, I almost feel like, uh, the listeners might be weirded out by a fucking commercial, uh, before our show, you know, nine years down the line. I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's just, it's something that's crossed my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but who the fuck knows, you know, I, I kind of do love the old, if it ain't broke, don't fix it adage, honestly. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's just a part of the the show's kind of charm. The fact that it is done for the love of horror movies and the love of just kind of bullshitting with my friend, you know? Yeah. And and it it comes out in the podcast too. Like you you can feel all that. That's why it's so cool. You know, it's genuine. Yeah. Like Mike could be like the ultimate straight guy because like, there have literally been times on the podcast where Mike goes, yeah, I don't like comedy. I don't like comedians. I don't like comedic movies. And like, and it's just like, you don't hear people say that too often, you know, and I'll laugh. Like I laugh a lot on the podcast and you may almost never hear Mike laugh on the podcast if you're really paying attention. Right. So I, that's another unique aspect of the show, you know, <laughs> and Jeff is curmudgeonly quite, uh, quite a bit. And that's yeah. the aspect of the show. Jeff has become the the guy who likes the least of, of, you know, like the movies to a degree or he'll score things quite low. Um, you know, there, there's a movie on my, on my top list that I won't spoil mm-hmm. that I think Jeff hated, you know, and it's one of my favorite movies of the year. So it's like it's that's, again, part of the, the charm of the show. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I totally see those different uh, dynamics there, and it's hilarious. So, and it works really well. <laughs> yeah, like I, I can be the more sarcastic kind of, you know, say weird things kind of out of nowhere guy, and and uh, you know, <laughs> but it's yeah, it's to me that's what makes it cool, you know. Um, and I would never want any of those things to change. You know, right. 
No, totally. The dynamic, the dynamic y'all have, like, is what makes us so damn good. So, thank you so much. I mean, and, and I appreciate that. And yeah, it, it's just weird how it all kind of started. You know, it just kind of started from like a lark, you know, like a funny idea and a fun idea. You know, um, and yeah, it, it, it's funny. Like we we made these shirts at one point, right? Mm-hmm. And we didn't make a lot of them. And at one, you know, at one point we sold a few and then they sat forever. And then I was like, Hey Mike, you know, we have these, these shirts just kind of sitting here. And then all of a sudden, boom, we sold like every last one we had. And now ever since every once in a while, someone will inquire about the shirt and it's like, eh, we kind of wanted to make those shirts a special one shot deal. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? <laughs> yeah. I think I tried to get one of those shirts and all you have, what, what all you have left was like a small or some shit. I'm like, God damn it. All left, you know, it was like, Oh shit. You know, I, I forget the exact number of the shirts we made. Uh, for, for those who don't know, uh, we made these cool, you know, black one-sided shirts with the necromaniacs logo. And, uh, who knows? Maybe, maybe we'll, we'll make another batch. We'll see. It's, you know, <laughs> again, the, the, the specialness of them may diminish if, if we make more, but it's, it's all about, I guess, supply and demand, you know? Yeah, totally. I have some people asking for shirts and all too. And I've said, Oh, I'm gonna do shirts this year. And I'm going almost two years doing the podcast now. I still haven't made any shirts, but, uh, maybe, uh, next year will be the year I do that. So, <laughs> So yeah, the, the name of the shop that my brother and I had where, where we met Mike uh, mm-hmm. back in 06 was called the Brooklyn monster factory. Mm-hmm. And we had a cool logo and we never made shirts for the shop. And we should have, because literally two weeks ago, someone at a show was talking to me going, you guys should just make a shirt now for the shop. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> he's like, yeah, he goes, I'm, with that logo people it's a cool logo and you should have made them back then and i'm like yeah i know i said part of me would honestly make something like that and just give them to the people who were who were part of the store and a part of our lives and they're still part of our lives now like you know like like a cool kind of like giveaway kind of thing um but yeah i mean and and it was funny going back to like that the, the horror rebirth era that 06 to 010 is 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 a part of that rebirth like we we sold comic books but we sold uh like horror magazines and we sold horror t-shirts all the time mm-hmm. and horror toys and horror was as much a part of the shop as comic books were right but what what happened was the recession of uh 29 2009 2010 it's kind of killed us because if you're for, you know, faced with spending money on groceries or whatever, or food or comic books, well, comic books are, the, are what's going to get cut. Right. And a lot of our customer base just kind of shrank and it was, you know, kind of sucked, but I mean, it, it was kind of out of our hands, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we'd sold it to, uh, some customers of ours who kind of kept it going for a few years as a comic store as well with a new name. Mm-hmm. But they only lasted three years as opposed to our four years. So, you know, it, it, it's hard to keep a business going. Yeah, totally. And, um, yeah, I'm the guy I like when it comes to buying uh, groceries or buying something entertainment wise, it usually deals with horror. I usually buy the entertainment stuff and eat ramen noodles, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I'm I'm a fucking 
yeah, I'm bad. Like I, but I'm like, I, I refer to myself. I'm the music industry's best friend. Like I'll buy a CD and a vinyl and a shirt, like of, of the band if I yeah. could. And I like a lot of bands. So that's a lot of pieces of fucking merch. Um, <laughs> but you know, again, trying to hone it in on that, obviously, but still like the enthusiasm is there, you know? Yeah. I would say though, I have cut down on Blu-rays. Honestly, I've cut down on my Blu-ray buying, um, because of the overabundance of streaming services that I have. And honestly, the rampant availability of, of film right now. So, mm -hmm. Mm. yeah i'm uh, right with you when it comes to uh, the abundance of having uh streaming services dude i have like fucking 10 different ones and i don't use these half the time but when it's there like oh there's a movie on there i gotta make sure i have that one like you know my big go-to's are shutter and um arrow player those are my favorites when it comes to horror you know they got the best shit ever but uh, besides that i have like a bunch of other ones too and uh it helps with it helps out with me not spending all my money on Blu-rays, but I still collect Blu-rays. Like I tell myself, well, I'm not gonna buy any this month, and I end up buying like a whole damn box set. Like I just did the whole Evil Dead box set of um this like 4K Blu-ray thing that did from the TV series and the uh I think two or three films. So I have oh. all of those and stuff, and yeah, it's just it's a bit of an addiction. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm I'm kind of I'm there with like vinyl with that and CDs, but now I've actually kind of stopped quite a bit on the vinyl mm -hmm. and gotten back on the CD horse because A, they're cheaper and B, they sound better. And I bought a new CD player. So Absolutely. those are my reasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think CDs are making a comeback. Uh, I really do. Like it was vinyl for a while. Like vinyl was big, especially when I was doing a trip into mechanism, my former band. Like we sold a shit out of vinyls, but we hardly sold any damn CDs. But now seems like it's the opposite with bands like they're selling a shit ton of cds and less vinyls yeah because the fans and the people uh, out there who want to support music still want to support the band and still want a piece of the band but 30 bucks 35 bucks for the vinyl isn't cutting it 10 mm -hmm. to 15 dollars for the cd is cutting it so that's what's happening right now it's it's the recession honestly the recession is helping cds it's yeah. it's making perfect sense because you're still supporting the band you're getting the record you're getting uh, you know you, you're you're being a part of the story but you're not breaking the bank that's right that's it and also to me look i i came up honestly in the cd era um and they definitely have the the sound quality that like to me sounds the best in my ears honestly mm -hmm. it just it just does however vinyl is great i love vinyl but vinyl is about to me um, moods and kind of just holding that artwork and holding that record you know mm -hmm. it's not so much about like i don't know it, it's not easy access that's for sure uh nope. it, vinyl is uneasy access um, you can't take a record player on the subway to go to work, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's it, you know? Oh. Um, and uh, another piece of the puzzle, hopefully that this isn't boring is that 
the recording you're hearing that the band did was done digitally. Right. And they, they using like analog tapes is super expensive and almost no bands do it right now. Almost none. Some do mm-hmm. very few though, very few. So how they recorded that music to me is literally best heard via CD. Right. The way it was recorded, honestly. Um, some people will argue that point, but that's just, you know, my, my two cents. Um, no, I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, unless your band, you know, use the reel to reel, which you probably didn't. Um, that's why vinyl back in this, you know, 60s, 70s, and 80s sounds so great because that's how it was. It was recorded a certain way, you know, mm-hmm. it was re- almost like re- it was almost recorded for vinyl and mixed and mastered for vinyl back then. They're doing that now. But if the reissue you buy doesn't have a sticker on it or any indication anywhere that says remastered for vinyl mm-hmm. or taken from the original tapes, then you literally just bought an overpriced vinyl that was made from a CD master, which is right now. So yeah, there's a little, little rain on the parade right now for the, for the vinyl craze, but it's the truth. Yeah. I'm thinking, uh, this time next year, well, not this time next year, earlier than this next year, I'll probably do a CD release of my, uh, that new, I don't know if you checked it out yet. Uh, the new project I'm doing a Braxis horn. It's all like dark synth weird stuff. Yeah. It's very cool stuff. Awesome. Yeah, I, I, there's a possibility I might do like a CD release of it. I'm just keeping it all the digital. I'm not doing all this craziness and stuff, you know, like I said, with the vinyls and all that stuff. But since CDs are become more popular, it might be something I might consider next year. So then I'd be. Yeah, sure. and it's funny. You, you can make a CD as, as special as a vinyl release. You can you can have a, okay, we made 100 of these. We made 200 of these. That's it. They're never yep. being again on CD. Or you can like. You can number the CD. You can like, there's, there's tons of cool shit you can do with the CD format. You can say it was a special limited digit pack. Um, you know, some people just kind of forget that you can think outside the box with a CD just as much as you can with the vinyl and spend quite a bit less of, you know, your, your money. Oh yeah, totally. totally. Yeah. This went into a, to another conversation, but the only, the only reason it did is because I am a musician and I am making music and I'm in the midst of, you know, having a, a release come out from an old band I did. So it's kind of been top of mind. <laughs> and speaking of that, you know, going like kind of making another corner here. Um, how was like a uh, horror inspired your music? Like, you know, like in your music making process, like the inspiration. Um, it's been a huge inspiration. I mean, it, particularly on uh inhuman uh, the band i've had since 1995 um I- i've written lyrics that are completely inspired by horror films um uh, a song called bloodlust is is inspired literally just by argento period and there's a yeah. sample from dario argento's world of horror at the beginning of that song um that's on our uh, third record called the new nightmare um th- that's one of my favorite records like i wrote a song about being a vampire in the modern world on that record nice. <laughs> like, it's it, it's it's hardcore but it lyrically and and spiritually it's just it comes from other places you know mm-hmm. but yeah uh that song is called eternal by the way it's it's a new york hardcore song about a vampire 
Um, yes. It's yeah, it, it, it totally is, is inspirational. Um, lyric wise, it just it just kind of depends. I mean, uh, th- th- there's other projects that hopefully come to fruition this year uh, that that are of the heavier spectrum that to me would be very much drawing from horror and, you know, darker subject matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, one would think that like hardcore music doesn't come from places like that, but to me, it, it, it kind of makes sense. It's, it's a heavy music and it's music that's supposedly real, real life inspired. And there's lots of horrific things in real life, you know? Um, mm-hmm. It's funny on the first record. Um, let's see, I have, I have them like right in front of me. I'm like, you know, you draw a blank about what some of the titles are because this oh, yeah. was like, you know, 25 years ago, or whatever. There's a song <laughs> called Crippled Inside, right? And I literally got that title while on my couch in like 1996 or 1997. And I was randomly watching the Friday the 13th TV series that, you know, that series that has nothing to do with Jason. It was just called Friday the 13th. Oh, yeah. And I loved it. I loved that shit growing up. It was so weird, too. But, yeah, totally. And that title just kind of stuck with me. Mm-hmm. And I wrote it down. And I literally stole that from Friday the 13th TV series. Nice. <laughs> and there's another song called Darker Than You Think, okay, from our third record. Mm-hmm. And I was riding subway and there was a, an ad for a book. It was like, it was like a science fiction book ad and it said darker than you think. And I just pulled out a notepad and paper and I wrote that down because I, I liked that title. Um, so, and it came from like what looked, what appeared to be a, maybe it's something that was kind of sci-fi, but maybe sci-fi horror. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cause years ago on the subway, there would be just, all these different types of ads for things, books, movies, and blah, blah, blah. They kind of don't do that as much now on the subway, but they did back in the, you know, nineties and early O's. Right. Uh, yeah. So I would say, uh, it's, it's quite a big influence on me. Sure. That's cool. And uh, yeah, I like that. like, you know, like I said, with hardcore music, it's, it's aggressive anyways, and it's heavy. Like it's cool. You're throwing in like some horror elements to it. So you combine in like two of your favorite things into one, you know, it's pretty badass. Yeah, no, totally, totally. I mean, there's definitely some other hardcore bands that have, have done it, you know? And like, I, I brought up Mortician earlier. They're like a death metal band whose whole basis is that every single song is basically about a different horror movie, you know, <laughs> or about a, a hor- horrific elements and, and things like that. And obviously countless death metal bands have written songs based on horror movies mm-hmm. but mortician is an example of a band whose like existence is horror movies you know <laughs> yeah like everything they do is horror so yeah yeah it's, you know will Rammer's is fucking great and he you know horror horror encyclopedia you know yeah definitely um we did a one of our last records we did with my band trip and the mechanism we were like a, a doom sludgy blackened band you know little elements of everything we got used to get called like the black metal melvin so we're in that kind of genre i guess but um we did an album called dead letters and that pretty much the whole album was based on uh the great and secret show by clyde barker 
Oh, wow. I read that. Yeah, I read that when I was in high school. Oh, um, dude, it's such an impact on me, you know. Oh, no, not high school. If, if that came out in 92, I read that in, in junior college, I think. Um, but uh, that's fucking cool as shit, man. Wow. I mean, Clive Barker, I don't know. I feel like he gets he gets kind of forgotten sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. Obviously, I feel like the, the fact that the, a new Hellraiser came out means that he is not forgotten. Right. It would have been nice Yeah, Clyde Barker's like the best. So, like, I'm glad the new Hellraiser is out, even though it wasn't very good. You know? Are you there? Did I lose? Did I lose you? Can you hear me? Yeah. Sorry about that. I I, I got a phone call and I hung up the phone call and then this it, this it stopped the Skype. Oh no problem, no problem. I'll make a, a note of that before I can edit it. So it's no thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely edit it out. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I just I don't want to be like rambling and shit. So hopefully, you know. Yeah. Clyde Barker, man, like uh, super underrated, I think. And I, hopefully he has another like, uh, you know, a kind of a, a revolution of Clyde Barker stuff, you know, with the new Hellraiser film and stuff out. Yeah, I, I didn't like it. And uh, maybe part of the reason I didn't like it is because I don't think he had any involvement with it whatsoever. Not really. and it had none of his stamp on it to me. Like it had none, it had no Clive Barker, you know, like it didn't mm-hmm. have that like kind of sinister element. Like, I don't know. I know a lot of people enjoyed it. A lot of people enjoyed the hell out of it. I just thought it was okay. Uh, the, the Hellraiser 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't like that. I, it was very, like, I couldn't see the Cenobites. And then when I could, I wished I couldn't because I didn't like how they looked. So right. like, she was great though. The head hell priest, uh, hell yeah. priest, priest, she was great, but they did literally almost nothing with her. Like all this hype that it's going to be a female pinhead, blah, 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 and this and that. And, and then I feel like they gave her as minimal of a role as they could. Yeah. Like she's barely in it. Yes. And the, the voice thing, it was like, you couldn't hear her. And I just was like, this could have been thought out a little better. Like, I don't know. I, I and then the, how, it, you know, the, the victims of the box were just anybody at any time. And yeah. that, that's not how the box works. Like, it's not how, like, that's not how it's supposed to work. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. it's supposed to be drawing more shittier people, shadier people. And, like when when Ashley Lawrence opened it, they 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 didn't like. It was almost it was like a mistake, you know. Like she she, they wanted Frank. They didn't want her, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I I thought it was just kind of a kind of a bit of a mess. Um, and same for the the Texas uh, twenty twenty two. Like it had oh, it had yeah. some <laughs> some nice moments. Uh, to me, the one thing that intrigued me about Texas twenty twenty two was the very end. Mm-hmm. When they, that that post credit sequence, where it shows him heading to the old house, okay, that's kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, um, yeah, it looks like it might set up a sequel possibly, but who knows what the ratings they got from this one? So I don't know. Yeah, and and come on, and if and if it's a true remake where it jumps from the seventies to now, everyone's fucking dead. Like you know what I'm saying? Like let oh, face. Yeah is a man in his seventies. If they've, they've aged him properly from then. Um, and nobody's alive. 
you know, mm-hmm. he's go he's going to an empty house unless they've done some voodoo, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't see that working. The only highlight I had of that one was uh, this Leatherface himself. I thought the guy that played Leatherface, I can't recall his name right now, and I, I'm not looking it up or whatever, just for whatever yeah. reason. But uh, he was cool. You know, it's just everything else, and the kills are pretty cool. But it just didn't feel like a Texas Chainsaw movie. No, I agree. Um, he he was good. I did like him, you know, mm. and I liked uh, the woman who played uh, the modern pinhead. They were both good. It's yeah. what they gave them. It's what they gave them to do, and the story that I didn't mm-hmm. think was that great. So yeah, what are you gonna do? We 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 talk a bit about that on the the year end wrap up. Wait, you know, wait till you hear that. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be cool. I'll be listening to that. That'd be out uh, probably this week. Not when this is out. My um, podcast episode is out, but you know, we'll go back in time and it'd be coming out next week. You know, this is like a time warp thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah fucking funny hell yeah yeah do you have anything um you said you had some music stuff some projects coming out anything you want to throw out there and stuff like new stuff that you're just gonna be coming out soon or yeah it's uh it's new old stuff my band i was in from 1990 from 1994 called uh confusion we we have our discography coming out um Mm -hmm. i would say by late spring early summer and uh it's 12 tracks um it's called uh confusion storm the walls 1990 1994 uh yeah it's gonna be out on cd digital and vinyl so that's cool putting that whole project together as we speak as far as a any kind of live performance or reunion gig from confusion i do not know it's a maybe, but it's mm-hmm. definitely not a yes right now. It's a maybe. I would love to, but we'll see what happens. Um, as far as uh, the other projects I have in Human and The Last Stand, um, definitely will be playing out uh, next year, but I, I don't anticipate any new music um, from either band, I don't think. Um, but I honestly would like next year also to be the year that I do a brand new project uh, it's called Blessed Are the Sick. Um, it's going to be heavy as hell. Like it's it's going to be like, I guess kind of death metal, uh, but may, maybe death metal with, with a bit of a hardcore heart. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's just uh, something I've had in my head for a while. I have like lyrics for it, and I have ideas and concepts, but I don't have the musicians for it. I have a name. I have uh, you know I have. I have certain things, but I don't have I don't have the musicians yet, and I I want to have them soon, and we'll see. Right. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not. I mean, I I'm I'm a vocalist, and I can actually come up with riffs. I used to be a bass player. I was the bass player in Confusion, mm-hmm. but I I am not currently a bass player. Like I couldn't. I don't know. It's just the idea of playing a show on bass would take some time and preparation. But blessed are the sick, I will not be singing and playing bass. I'll just be singing. Right. Yeah. Well, cool. So, yeah. That's some good stuff to look forward to, man. You know, especially the heavier, darker stuff like uh, you're about to be getting into. Hopefully, when you find some musicians, I'm totally down with that. No, no. I mean, I, it's long time coming. I just, and it's it's like I, I, I'm putting it out into the atmosphere because now I have to fucking do it. It's just been in my head for too long, you know? 
Yeah, you got to get that shit out for sure. You know, I, I know that feeling. <laughs> That's like I, getting this album out this year with the synth stuff. It's like it's been in my head for too long. It needs to be out into the world that way. You know, I can make more shit and like it helps drive you more. You know. Yeah, like I've had that name, Blessed Are the Sick, for like six years. I'm not even kidding. Like I knew that was going to be the name of the project for years. Um, and it's funny, I, I looked in like the metal encyclopedia and I've done Google searches and the, the name is literally not taken. So, yeah. <laughs> well, that's and good. And hopefully from this podcast, nobody takes that name. Trademark right now, he's trademarking uh, it, so don't <laughs> fuck with that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not taken by any current metal bands, you know, touring or making, you know, music or releasing music. So that's that's important. That is good, yeah. That's a great name too. It's catchy as fuck. So yeah, and it comes from my favorite Morbid Angel record. So you know, I had, had to do it, and it, it has it has other significance too. So it's um, yeah, I'm I'm excited for that to fucking happen, and I really hope it does happen. Because if not, I sound like a fucking jerk talking about a band that doesn't exist. So there's that. I'm sure it'd come to uh, it'd come true and stuff, and you get that rolling, and it'd be fucking awesome. So awesome thank you for your your time and you know hopefully i I wasn't too fucking all over the place but uh you know i I guess once i get rolling i i i tend to just kind of talk about a bunch of different shit (laughs) no dude this has been great and it's been a long time coming and um yes it's been a fucking great talk you know we definitely gotta do it again next year and stuff when things get rolling again so yeah yeah thank you so much man It's, it's been great talking horror and music with you brandon and you know I, I'm very glad to have uh, made your acquaintance, if if not in person, but uh, through through the, the the modern means. And thank you so much for you know supporting and and the co-support. Oh hell yeah, and same to you. And uh, maybe next year sometime we can all meet up. You know, see how things yeah. go. It'd be fucking cool. That'd be great, brother. Have a great one, man. Take care. Excellent. Have a good one. Bye bye.